People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing and car crashes. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubble gum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome back. To all out of bubblegum, the podcast, or whatever we decide to call this, uh, and it was a little bit of a break there, um, just a brief uh, interim, but we are back, and we are here to talk about the all out of bubblegum top 250 uh, perennial favorite hard boiled. I have with me Marty and Rudadal. Hello. Hello. Just a brief 12-year hiatus there. Just a little one. It's a blink and you'll miss it. Exactly. So, uh, I figure let's uh, say a little about a little bit about yourselves uh, briefly. Uh, you want to go first, Marty? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm uh, Martin, but you can call me Marty. I'm Dutch. I've been a member of All Out of Bubblegum for like 10, 15 years now, I think. Um, yeah, I found it just Googling for action movie stuff, and uh, here I still am. Very excited to be here on this podcast today. Right on. And hey, Brutal though? Yeah. Um, my, name's, uh, my name is Stein, actually, but I, I go by Rutledal on every social media. Follow me if you want uh, shit in your life that sucks. <laughs> No, uh, I've been a member since 20, 2007. That's going back 16 years, I guess. I don't remember why or how I came across it. Um, yeah, I guess it's my love child to bring back this podcast to because I need someone to watch awful movies and then talk to them, talk to me about them. Hey, now, uh, I never consider them awful. I consider them awesome as you know <laughs> well, i'm gonna i'm gonna force you to watch some really questionable croatian dtv movies that's gonna alter your perspective on that i welcome the challenge <laughs> there's a fine line between awesome and terrible yeah it's uh paper thin really but yeah so but uh on the thick end of that line we're actually going to be talking about hard boiled here decidedly not terrible movie yeah that's actually a good one i, I would like to chip in yeah not my suggestion obviously because it's good <laughs> yeah what do you think is probably the prime appeal of hard boiled oh for me it was just a carnage like the the, the squib work the, the the exploding furniture and just the impact of everything. It was amazing. Yeah, it's really, it's it's John Woo just selling like, this is my goodbye to Hong Kong. Please have 
everything. I'm just going to put everything I ever wanted to put on the screen. Just, just fucking have it right here. There's all of it. It does feel like he's reacting to himself in a lot of ways in that aspect. He is, he does include all the, you know, people are, are, are kneeling and spinning and doing all the, the John Woo moves in slow motion. And there is just a almost, I guess I'll just say an excessive amount of carnage as you put it, Marty. There are things exploding with every gunshot and there's sparks, there's particles, people are flying through the air, so much glass is breaking. It is an incredibly dynamic film, uh, just in the action. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'd seen this film before, but I still felt, while watching it now, I felt like I have never seen anything like this before. It was just so balls to the wall, full on. It was like, I can't even come up with words other than amazing really at this point yeah well it's it is wild uh one thing i noticed is just how much the camera moves for some reason i didn't have that in my head before but it is it is very apparent upon this last rewatch that the camera there it's not just zooming but it's it's always on like a dolly swooping around um I, and he used a lot of several handheld shots uh, i didn't even notice this before but there's just a lot of stuff like that he's always whipping around in this one yeah i made a i made a note of that like at at the end of the long wonder in the hospital there's like it right it right before the cut it's going around a corner and it's they sped it up yeah clearly because it didn't go fast enough and it just suddenly it looks like something out of like evil dead or something yeah yeah very ramy kind of movements but he's uh uh it's it, the other thing that propels it is just the editing uh i don't know if anybody quite edits action the way that john woo does in this yeah he's he, it's not choppy at all uh every you know moment breathes but it's it's, I don't know, it's just propulsive. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, like, the editing, because you said the camera movement, but in my memory, there weren't this many cuts in it. But, it, you know, we now have, like, a, a, a disdain for overcut, fast-cut movies. But if you look at the Tea House shootout, it's frenetic, it's chaotic, there's lots of cutting, but it's still great, so... Yeah, that was one thing that really stood out for me in this viewing. No, there's a real, like, more sensibility to cutting in Hong Kong. You see it uh, a lot with Sammo Hung, too. Like, especially by, this is a sideways, but by um, what is it, Pedicab Driver. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. Sammo's cutting, like, on less than a second, but it all, it all flows. It all translates. Everything makes sense. It's just, you can cut as fast and frequently as you want, but it's... It's the understanding of that it, it continues the same motions. Everything flows through. Something something just in Hong Kong where they just they understood that. It's, it's all about the rhythm, I think, in Hong Kong. Well, there's definitely a... I, I, it's, I think that the rhythm of this movie is pretty unique. It feels... Like, I know that the, the concept seems to be a play on jazz but it's 
uh, I, I don't even know what to call it because, you know, you watch, watch the killer right before this is a whole different feel. And this is just, uh, especially when you get to, like, you know, just look at, look at, there's a scene where the, the villains have a whole bunch of patients around them and what, uh, Chow Yun-Fat and Tony Lung do as a ruse is they pretend that they've caught Chow Yun-Fat and then they have everybody dive down. Um, the cuts, there, there's, the, the, all the characters kind of go in about four different ways at that moment when all the patients drop and the guns start firing. And so you, the, they're intercutting these these different stories. You know, here's what these bad guys are doing. Here's what Tony Lung's doing. Here's what the cop's doing. And here's what Chelly and Vat's doing. And it almost doesn't really make sense, but there is a logic to it that you understand it what's happening where everybody's going um and it, and it but it still feels just wildly chaotic yeah but in a good way like intentionally chaotic oh yeah yeah but that doesn't chow yun fat also just jump backwards just before he shoots in that part uh well when he grabs um the the love interest i cannot ever remember her name Teresa Mo, I think. Yes. But uh, please, please arrest me on that. Any Hong Kong cinema knowers? Well, I think her, her, she's Teresa in the movie as well, so it counts. Well, that's a, it's a, it's a, that's always, always good with Hong Kong movies when they just like, uh, ah, just don't bother giving them a name. Jackie is Jackie. Yeah. Says Teresa. <laughs> just, just play it up. Don't mind. The, don't get character names. Exactly. I, I do wonder if, if that's part of the, the like the translation in the subtitles. I because I, I think sometimes they're not called that in the original Mandarin or Cantonese. It's just the subtitles just puts that name in. I feel. Yeah, well, it's uh, I can't remember if you actually hear them say her name, but it's different. You know, like uh, I think Tony Lung's character is actually named Along, but they are calling him Alan. But it's that's so close uh, phonetically that it, it works. They do call Chow Jun Fat tequila, though. That's uh, yeah. Yes, they do. S- speaking of Teresa, going back to her, like how I didn't find out she was really a love interest until the hospital, because there's that whole bit with the flowers earlier on, but I wasn't quite sure what their relationship was. How did you guys? Yeah, when did you catch on? I think, I think I got it. You know, I understood pretty. You know, he's sort of a trope, so I kind of, I, I assumed, I guess, because he's kind of the, uh, he's a cop, but he's great at being a cop. He's not great in his personal life. That's kind of where I was at. No, I I got the feeling he was like a, a jealous jealous ex boyfriend or husband. Of yeah. Hers. Like she got flowers and he got real jealous because they were exes and he wanted to get. Her. But I don't think that was actually what was going on. Well, there, she's doing his laundry, so I figured there's something going on. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Just to make it extra confusing. Like, even the stuff with the flowers, that's going off on a tangent here, but it took me until the hospital scene to figure that bit out as well. Like, in the first hour or so of the movie, I was kind of lost. Like, who is who, and what are their relationships? Who knows who? And But then in the end, it all came together for me yeah this was my second viewing by the way how how often have you seen this 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I've probably seen this, uh, um, well, definitely more than 10 times. I haven't been logging my viewings. This is the third time logging in on Letterboxd for sure, but I watched it many times before that. I probably watched it somewhere around 15, 20 times now. I, I watched... This was the first uh, John Woo Hong Kong film that I'd ever seen. Oh, back in the day, yeah. I think the, I think same. I think this was my first uh, John Woo Hong Kong film. Consequently, uh, kind of spoiled the other movies because I watched them in reverse order almost. I watched this, then The Killer, Once a Thief, then the Better Tomorrow movies. And uh, I wish I'd seen them in the opposite way, just appropriately ramp up to this. Because everything else was like... You don't start with the best. <laughs> no, I was like, eh, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's not hard-boiled, though, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't go back and was like, oh, Legend of Chivalry. That's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> that's what is good. That was the good stuff. Well, when I when I went to all the way back, you know, to the Young Dragons and, and such... Then I was like, oh, okay, I see his, his forming as a director. Yeah, because you, you did start like a video essay series, didn't you, where you were going to watch all his yeah. editorial efforts? Yeah, that's back, that's back in 2008. <laughs> yeah, and then just kind of tired off of watching like 50 Chinese opera movies. Well, yeah. Well, he didn't, uh, he didn't do a lot of Chinese opera, but... He did enough, you know. His uh, what was it called, Princess Changping or something, and that was that was enough. But <laughs> I actually like his his kung fu films, so I'm okay with that. He did a bunch of um, well, not a bunch, but he did several kind of fighting films, and uh, one of them had Jackie Chan. Then he went immediately into these comedies. Uh, in the 70s you know only broken up by like you know last raw for chivalry but he those movies are pretty interesting to watch his comedies i think that you know because one of the things people don't talk about as much but they should is his melodrama uh, i think that there is a very fine line between tragedy and comedy and you watch his comedies you're like oh i totally see his his interest in this, you know, because one of the things that everyone does know is he's very interested in the concept of friends and friendship, oh, yeah. uh, loyalty, bonds of brotherhood. Bullet in the head really is the, oh, well, it's the, the ultimate. prime example there. Yeah. That's just all all melodrama, all brotherhood. Well, his comedies are also pretty much about that. He, he really likes a, a kind of a cartoon humor, so it's good that he, he worked that out of his system for the most part. Yeah, this once once a thief is the the one from the the oeuvre that everyone knows that really still carries all the traces of that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I really, really did not like that one. Really, <laughs> paint me how much I didn't like that one. It's one of the one of the only ones I've never revisited. To be honest, I only only saw it the once. Everything else I go back to. I think it's watchable, but um, the the final, I think, 15 seconds or so of that movie, so just break it for me. 
<laughs> that I can't really go back to watch it. I don't have a good enough memory of the movie to know the final 15 seconds, but... Oh, it's just it's about sped up footage of him catching things and throwing them, and then she throws him the baby, and that's how the, the movie ends. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> but it is, you know, since we're kind of bringing up that that stuff that carries over, I think it's very fun to watch Hard Boiled and see, oh, he's he's still working on certain gags all the time. And, uh, and you know, even from Hard Boiled, several gags that he uses, several bits, I guess I should say, um, make their way into Hard Target and even Face Off. Like when Tony, Tony Long and Philip Quack are shooting at each other through the wall and the glass. Uh, and when uh, Teresa slaps the guy or no she she tells she calls her the guy calls her a bitch and she shoots him in the shoots in the death they, they, the same thing happens in hard target oh yeah i definitely remember the window scenes the you know from the end of the hospital shootout and with arnold voslo shootout in hard target yep that's it i definitely see that with just all the glass love that glass as well as the one bullet gun, what do you call it? Yeah, yeah, that's also makes its way into hard target. Some kind of like, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's like a, like a probably a, like a competition style gun, for you know, just like an aiming gun. Like, nope, you get one shot. It doesn't make any sense that he uses it in hard boiled, but. Uh... Well, it's uh, like a. F- isn't it like a, he uses it for finishing his hunts or something? In hard target. Yeah, yeah. in hard boiled, it's really Im- impractical. Yeah. yeah. There's two guys I need to kill. Let's get a one bullet gun. Well, yeah. he's literally in a room chock full of every weapon imaginable, <laughs> and that's the one <laughs> yeah, he, he chose. One. He knows that he's got two opponents, and he picks <laughs> the gun with one bullet. <laughs> But maybe that's, you know, in a way, it kind of foreshadows his honor system. Yeah, it does. It's really great that they, the movie introduces that bit because I really liked it. Yeah, where he is the, pretty much the sole character with any uh, semblance of a conscience on uh, Anthony Wong's team there. Yeah, and the, the, the bit of the scene with the the cripples and the, and the nurses between... Yeah. Alan and that guy. What's his name? Do we know? Uh, well, Mad Mad Dog. Yeah, Mad Dog. Philip Philip Quark, the goat henchman. The one-eyed guy. Yeah. Yeah. The scene with uh, the cripples and the nurses between uh, Mad Dog and Alan is amazing. It's just like this. You have to take a breath during all the carnage. It's a, it's fantastic. Yeah, and and that is playing off of the. It's a big shootout between the, you know, Chalian Fat and the other henchmen, the big bad henchmen in Better Tomorrow Two. Oh. And they, you know, slide the guns across to each other, and then just shoot each other up. So much sliding in this movie. Oh yeah, Amazing. well, it's movement. John Woo is just fascinated with movement. Yeah. It's, it's like if he'd done it once or twice, it would have been weird, but he just keeps on doing it, and that somehow makes it work. He's the only one I've, I, I think can make it work. I watch, you know, 
a decade and a half of other filmmakers try and do what John Woo does, and no one can do it. There's, there's been some good imitators, but nothing as good as he made. No, just go watch uh, The Replacement Killers. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Which I like. I, lo- I like the movie. But you're like, this is not John Woo. He wants to be John Woo. He's just not. Yeah, it's like they can imitate elements of his style. One or two of the elements. But nobody can copy like the combined package of what John Woo delivers with all the elements. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, and the other thing I was thinking about in the last watch uh i I guess you you've been watching it too i've been recently watching miami vice (laughs) yeah yeah i was thinking about it it's in my notes okay uh, so when (laughs) yeah i was i had this vibe especially when they got on the boat and they're having the whole talk and when this is this is weirdly i don't know if it's intentional or not but it was weirdly like this was shot what two years after miami vice went off the air but then again, I don't know how much did they get Miami Vice in Hong Kong. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's hard to say because John Woo uh, is so influenced by other things. Even, you know, this was originally supposed to be his Dirty Harry movie. And uh, it just kept growing. Probably, like I said, it's a reaction to himself and what people expect from him. And he just kept pumping it up and pumping it up until there was an obscene body count and, you know, probably a preposterous pyrotechnics budget. Yeah, I was I was starting to watch a making of documentary, but I didn't have time to finish it. And they're basically John Woo's first words. Like, I went to the studio and said, yeah, I want to make a Dirty Harry. <laughs> this is not the Dirty Harry I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's so weird. If you go, you know, Dirty Harry is, is has such stature in the action world. And then you go watch it, and it's pretty low-key, uh, comparatively, I guess, to everything that came after. Yeah, it's more more a, a serial killer cop movie than an action movie, really. Still great, but, yeah, low-key. Yeah, it's not the big action bonanza that... I mean, when the series tried to be, it never really was. It's not really Clint Eastwood's thing, either. The Enforcer's really the only, like, really action-heavy entry, isn't it? More or less. He did all these movies like The Rookie and The Gauntlet that are basically Dirty Harry movies, but he just plays a different character. (laughs) Yeah, tightrope, pervert Dirty Harry. Yes. That is, that's my favorite. I always say the, I want to lick the sweat off your body. That line is so funny coming out of his mouth. Yeah, he really doesn't work for one half of that role. Like the really, the burned out bum cop dad. Perfect, Clint. The freaky love interest, not not so much. There's a, there's a good reason why like in his his best, his two best romance movies are like, Unforgiven, where his wife is dead and you never see her, and Bridges in Madison County, where he's just like a real sad sack piece of shit. <laughs> uh, that's that's enough about my. That, welcome to my TED talk about the romantic Clint Eastwood. My theory is that he is, saw Michael Douglas getting away with it, and when I could do that, I'm better than Michael Douglas. Tightrope, not pervert enough. 
my review. Oh, so what do you think of Chai and Fat's transition from gangster to cop? Oh, I never really thought about because this is this is his first proper cop performance in a John Woo movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's all it's gangster in a better tomorrow and. I guess gangster in a better tomorrow too, but twin of gangster yeah. who has a little bit brain damage, but then <laughs> forgets to have brain damage. And that's a weird movie, a better tomorrow too. Great action, really, really weird stuff in the middle. Well, that's a fight of two creatives that made that movie, and it also made it. You know, sometimes that works, but most of the time that just makes a mess, and that's what that movie is. Because it's Wu and is it Sue Hark? Yes. The other one? Because he went on to do the the third one. Yeah. Which was terrible. Yeah. I got got love for, uh, what's it called? Love and Death in Saigon? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. Though the the second one, the ending is just amazing. I think the third, the third part is best viewed separately from the others like sit down and watch that one first and then you can yeah. go and watch the the John Woo ones Is, isn't it also a prequel it is a prequel yeah yeah. it's only about Choi Yun Fat too it doesn't have Tilung or Leslie Chung I thought when when uh, Chow though was playing a cop in this uh, I thought it was it felt very natural but Immediately afterwards, I watched uh, Full Contact, and he's back to playing a gangster who I think he's about 10, 15 years too old to play the character. Um, and uh, to me, it doesn't really work, even though I really like that movie because it's so weird. It's a it's a barn burner but, for sure. Yeah, um, well, I, I like Ringo Lamb stuff in general, so I'm also biased. I mean, anything that guy wants to do, I'm always there. But I think Chow and Fat is miscast. Getting back to your question, though, I, I, I really think he's just a cop in title only in Hard Boiled. Because he doesn't work by the book. He just blows shit up, shoots people, ignores his boss. It's like, yeah, he's a cop, but is he really though? Yeah, he he. Literally gets away with murder. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. The, the like there's a weird scene. I think the wonky in this movie is a little writing on rewatch because it doesn't really make sense. I don't know what the laws are in Hong Kong, or certainly not in 1992. But I don't understand how he gets away with everything he gets away with. He literally goes in one man armies that warehouse full of bad guys. And the guy's like, just starts going on a Marienko Brady tangent to him about like, how come they get to, you know, not have a search warrant when they kill people? And you're like, uh, what the hell are you even talking about here? Yeah, I mean, that warehouse shootout, that should be some international news. That is a, that is a major, major crime he's yeah. committing there. That is some real questionable stuff. Well, there's there's no search warrant. He didn't officially get use of the weaponry. He just took it. Uh, and it's like, even if they the cops played it up as uh, we massive drug bust, 
uh, we took down like a fraction of this gang and then be like oh well were the officers involved he's like officers well it was an officer yeah we just sent in one guy that'd be the best <laughs> just the one promotion of, yeah. for the police <laughs> it's the guy called tequila because he's always drunk yeah we sent him in yeah. he was this jazz musician that we hired as a cop and he he just rocked it it's real. I li- I like that. I think that's John, John Woo get paying tribute to action icon uh, Woody Allen by having yeah. having Chow Yun Fat play the jazz clarinet yeah. throughout yeah. the film. <laughs> Whatever that is. That's the part of the movie that's that feels. I don't. Know, it's just we're. I, I don't know. It, it's like we got to give him something to do, other than just being a a, a killer. Because none of these people have lives outside of being cops, really. And so they just go, yeah, he uh, he's a jazz musician, and the other cop was also a jazz musician. <laughs> yeah, but he but he only plays the clarinet when he's killed somebody or when he's lost somebody. That's right? true. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> just another warehouse shootout that we just didn't see, where he just went in, just massacred fifteen people off screen, and was the cop was like, yeah, whatever happened. Don't talk the about keyboard it. artist, the keyboarder, he was the first to go. We just didn't see it. Yeah. I also like that John Woo is in the movie as himself. Yes. <laughs> he just, he's like talking to Chang Fat. Chang Fat goes, oh, call my girlfriend. And you're like, well, how would this guy know your girlfriend's number? He's like, oh, well, he's the director and writer. So. Yeah. I read on the IMDb trivia page that Chow Jun Fat wanted some scenes outside of his cop work to like humanize his character and then he suggested that john woo play the other character just so it wouldn't be edited out because he said like oh yeah john woo is is not gonna edit himself out of his own movie so i better suggest that oh that's funny he was right yeah <laughs> there's an opposite approach to john millius John Millis was the first, you know, watch Conan the Barbarian, and then he just went, nope, not all night. I do not like my scenes. Cut them out. But with the, the, the warehouse shootout, you see um, smoke grenades coming in through the roof. Yeah. And I really felt like, oh, he has a team with him. And then he, like, repels down, and I was, like, waiting. Where are the other guys? Where are the other guys? Well, but, yeah, he's really going in there alone. They're up there. And he, they're just like, he's got this. Like, yeah, <laughs> but also he throws in the grenades and none of the bad guys look up like oh we should keep an eye on the roof because there's somebody on there no 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 none of that you just let him rappel down well I think I, I guess the idea is that they're so completely caught off guard that they have yeah. no idea where this is coming from they can't they don't know if it's up down they all several of them immediately just get Anthony Wong out of there so you know, there is a method to what they're doing, but he just flies right in the middle of them and just starts pounding them away. It's actually wild that it works because it feels like this is another one of the ones where there, there is a logic to it, but it almost doesn't make sense because you think that the guys would hear the gunshots and go, oh, there he is. And all the all the firing is coming from this one place, but instead they, they scatter like leaves as soon as he starts shooting. He's able to pretty much take them all out. It's for our our benefit and our pleasure. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. 
But that's one of those scenes too where you're watching it and there's so much just going off the, the pyrotechnically. Every time he he's got that he pulls that shotgun out and it's a great little maneuver when he does that by the way. Um, but he just starts blasting and everything he hits is exploding. Yeah, it's amazing. There's one bit in the hospital scene at the end where he just shoots his handgun and it causes the same sort of explosion. Yeah. And I was a little bit confused, like, who else is there? Who else is shooting? But no, it's supposed to be his handgun. That's what's great about Wu. At, at that point, John Woo just doesn't care about logic anymore. It's just <laughs> shit blowing up. That's it. That's what we need. I just think, I always think about uh, the hey pigeon scene in Hard target where he just where he shoots the guy with the shotgun and at the biggest fireball explosion you've ever seen sends a, a guy and his motorcycle out a play glass window oh yeah <laughs> like okay i guess that's the thing now like chow jun fat playing a cop in this one what do you think of his methods in the tea house scene i'm not sure what their plan was other than shooting everybody yeah. And they get mad at the bad guys for shooting innocent people. But, like, they're there with undercover cops. They're watching everything. And then the bad guys don't do anything, really. And they just start smashing shit off their table and start shooting people. It's, yeah. Like, you're an American, Brenton. Does that seem normal to you? Well, you know, it's going to sound really weird. But it does sound a lot like what the police would do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just so such an odd scene, but yeah, like fuck it, it's for our benefit, for our pleasure. If the police would just start screaming "stop resisting" as they shot, <laughs> then they'd be like, "Yeah, okay, this takes place in like L.A., I think." You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's just really it goes really badly. Like that's a haywire. No, no. Uh... A wise, like a sting operation gone really haywire. Yeah. They just, I don't, don't understand what, what their plan is. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, there was something happened. Pull out all the guns and just fucking fire in every direction. What? They, they order tea? Let's fuck them up. That is a good question there. It's like, what are they doing? Because my understanding is that they're trying to break up a weapons trade. Yeah, I thought they were just observing a weapon straight or something. The guy who spills the tea that starts the whole thing, is he a cop or a bad guy or is he just like a really yeah. shitty tea house employee? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's your fucking tea, bitch. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be a cop. Yeah, I think but so. But I too. don't know. I just know that they, yeah, they just. Like, oh, crack open the thing and then shoot them with their own contraband. And it, it's just it's just a wild scene. My favorite part of that scene is actually there's, you know, everyone's kind of being doing the fluid movements and such. And then one guy kind of tries to hop up on like a counter and he doesn't make it. And then he just gets shot. And that's one of my favorite like little moments where the guy... It's just he's just not smooth at all about what he's trying to do, and he just dies. Oh, I think I missed that because I I didn't notice. I have I noted down two two of my favorite tiny moments from it. It's, it's one shot, 
uh, like from outside of a cop car, and it, that looks like it's from the opening a police squad, where there's just they they did a police sh- squad shot. Yeah, behind the, as the, an the insert. What do you call it? The, the flashing light. Yeah, the siren. The siren. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the staircase, there's this one of the bad guys. Just like it's just like he just runs into some old guy, and he's just like, "You know, fuck you, you old bastard!" And he just <laughs> shoots him dead. <laughs> It's like, it's so unnecessarily evil. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, this, you know, in case we haven't emphasized this enough, this is a incredibly violent movie. But the, the bad guys have to be that evil because the good guys are just starting a shootout in the middle of a crowded tea house. Yeah, well, yeah, because what are you going to do uh, comparatively if you don't have these guys be the most evil people possible? That's why Anthony Wong is so perfect for this role, by the way, is he can play anything and he is just like, I'm going to be an evil snake. <laughs> That's what he is the whole movie. Such a great face for this this kind of role. Uh, his his character in this is, is basically on, a, on the Anthony Wong scale is like practically a good guy. Yeah, that's true. But all, all he does <laughs> is murder the sick and crippled. <laughs> I love his when he gives the line, you know, where he's making fun of the cops and their guns in the hospital. He's like, they only have 38s. And then he just goes, Pleh. he like spits. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, he's a weapons dealer. He's like, he doesn't respect anything they have. But it'd be more, it'd be better if the, that's all they, they use. But I think it is what uh, he ends up getting shot with. At the end, I think he has a 38. Oh. So, you know, oh, poetic. it's kind of yeah. a little poetic irony there. Yeah. Also, great wardrobe on Anthony Wong in this one. Some, some fantastic, uh, fantastic shirts. Amazing colors. Mm. Yeah. Wild styles. Yeah, but I want, I wanted to jump back to something you said, Brenton. You said fuck them up with their own contrabands or something like that, because it was my understanding that Chow Jun Fat brought his own guns. So they, there was their own guns in the. Yeah, he brought his own birdcage. Uh, maybe it was. I thought he went to their table. Could be. And cracked open theirs. But he does bring his own uh, birdcage. That's true. Yeah, I think you might be right. And it does have a, a like a, a a thick bottom, so it it is thick yes. enough to hide a gun. But the the, the waiter cop, he does oh. use his tea kettle to punch. Or hit uh, a birdcage off the table, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, so maybe that was the one. Okay, so so the guns are not in the the birdcage they get when they come to the tea house, because I I thought it was like a the cops had planted the guns in the birdcage. Oh, okay, I thought you were saying that every everybody gets a birdcage and every birdcage has a gun. Well, also, yeah. Why does why why does everyone have bird cages? I don't get that, but that's that's a cultural thing, I think. Well, I think it's the theme of this tea house. Yeah, it's like a cat cafe, <laughs> only birds. Yeah. Okay. Which is hor- It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's a horrible idea. But yeah, the smell of shit in there, the bird shit. So I'm just rewatch watching this scene. As you say that, and I am pretty sure that's their birdcage. Yeah, they bring it, right? No, I mean it's the it's the villains. Ah, oh. So the so mean, the, the the one he he gets when he enters, or the one that he takes the guns from. So the guy with the the waiter knocks yeah. over the 
the birdcage and it rolls it at Chai and Fat, but he knocks it off of the criminal's table. It rolls over to him. Chai and Fat throws a bottle of hot tea or hot water and then stomps open that birdcage that's sitting next to him and it's got three guns in it. Okay, then now, now what the waiter cop does makes a bit more sense. Yeah. So I guess what the idea might be is that they suspected that they were carrying guns and that they didn't have mm. proof. And so that guy just, he was the, uh, uh, we're going to have you run over and knock over the bird thing. And if it's, you know, a bird, you know, no harm, no foul. But if there's <laughs> guns in there, and uh, I guess we're just going to start shooting them. Yeah. This is the whole plan. If it's a bird, we maybe just killed a bird. But, yeah. You know, maybe there's guns. Th that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> St still not a lot, but more. Yeah. And in that scene, there's also the other guy who's also an undercover cop, right? The guy with the Uzi? I think that's what they're saying. Well, or I so I, my understanding was that he was an informant, but then they they actually say cop. Uh, I think later in the movie, and Chiang Fat's just kind of like so. <laughs> but he he kills Chiang Fat's partner, right? That's true. Yeah. So he killed he. Yeah. It's just cops killing cops everywhere in this. Everybody shooting. Nobody knows who's who. I guess that's actually part of his problem. He's he's yelling at his boss. He's like. He says, uh, you better start telling us who the cops are and who the criminals are. I I, I didn't get that get, that guy was an undercover cop until like the ending when uh, Alan shot a cop and then uh, Charger and Fats or Tequila goes like, yeah, I've done it as well. Oh, so don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. That's when it clicked for me. I didn't get it until right now. I always was like, who, who was the cop that Charger and Fats shot? I never got that part. I was always like, trying to watch it and be like, did, did he shoot a cop here? That's obvious. And I was like, no, the movie never... But we're just watching for, like, the equivalent of the elevator moment at the... in the, in the climax of where it, like... It, when it slows down to be sure that you get it, like, this guy was a cop. Just waiting for that moment in the tea house. But it's like, okay, oh, I, I guess I finally learned something. He doesn't really spell it out. What he does is he uses, uh, re you know, repeated... Uh, imagery so when he gets up to that guy at the end of that whole scene you know where he's covered in flour which is you know the white is the chinese color of death and he has the gun stuck up on him and then shoots him right so there there's your your first hint and then the next bit is when he is facing off against alan in the smoke he does it again he's got the gun on him but his gun is out of bullets. Oh, yeah, the classic, classic John Woo two guns to the head moment. Yeah, yeah. but this was, yeah. it's meant as a mirror scene where he had the gun on the other guy and just shot him, and he was going to do the same thing here, but then the gun didn't have bullets. Okay, so the, the guy on the floor, that's the cop. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Not the guy. Okay. Okay. Then that makes more sense. Not the not the guy in the pink shirt with the Uzi. Yeah. That was what I was I was thinking of because that guy's like just shooting civilians left, right, and center. And I was like, <laughs> that's the worst. He's he's way too undercover if he's just like, 
I'm just gonna kill a bunch of civilians to keep my yeah. cover. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's not worth it. But so John Woo also makes it so. Uh, I, I, like he has a weird concept of karma. So that partner that gets shot, he's shot immediately after killing a civilian on accident. That uh, the undercover cop is using as a human shield. <laughs> so it's you know it's just. John Woo being like, well, you know, they're all going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a miracle they shot only one civilian. Yeah, that was the only one the cops killed. Like, everyone at the tea house died, yes, but, you know, it was mostly... (laughs) (laughs) We didn't shoot most of them. Yeah, and that's why, uh, so, the, when, uh, the boss, the chief shows up, the captain, I guess, he shows up, and he's, the first thing you see him, he goes and checks on the guy in the, uh, that was covered in, in the flower room there. Yeah. Because he, he knew him, he was his, he was his guy. Yeah, like, that didn't make sense when I was watching it until further off, near the end of the movie. Well, I'm going to go and rewatch that scene after we stop recording and learn. It takes 21 viewings sometimes, uh, Rat. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, it's like I said. I think the writing is a little wonky, but it's a result of him wanting to make this kind of. He wanted to make a low-key, dirty Harry type movie, and then I think everything kind of got pushed on him as well as his own expectations it was also like he rewrote the script after already shooting the tea house scene right he just kept adding yeah, stuff the... you know what, whatever you know you just look at the movie and you're like okay this is i mean even chai and fat being hired was probably a some kind of thing somebody went no you need chow again everybody loves that but maybe they're just not good friends but i'm guessing it was all part of it People expected Chow to be in it. People expected it to be a huge action movie, um, and so he just basically had to do that. Could be. I don't know enough about behind the scenes stuff on this one. Well, me neither. I'm just. Uh, I'm just guessing because <laughs> that's what it feels like. It feels wonky. I, I did read that it was supposed to be about uh, a criminal who poisons baby formula. Well, that's a role for Anthony Wong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it makes sense. For him. A middle ground evil role for Anthony Wong. But I love like this the the silliness of it. Like again, it does have a logic to it. But if you step back and look in the macro, you'd be like, this doesn't make sense. You know, Tony Lung, when found a hidden book in the library, shot a guy in the face. And then put that bloody book with the gun back on the shelf. (laughs) Because he didn't have his library card with him. So he couldn't check out the book. That's right. He couldn't. Doesn't that make a little bit of sense given that he's an undercover cop? Like he would place the evidence back for the cops to find because he is a cop? Again, I don't know what the rules are over there. I'm trying to imagine that court case where they, and so then you, you went in and you, you executed this man. 
Well, yeah, that's true. He still very much did execute <laughs> a man. That's yeah. Just another day in the life of a cop. Yeah. He goes, oh, and that got you closer? No, I was already like chums with the boss <laughs> by that point. Yeah, it does really feel like it's a bit written on the fly. Yeah. Because this was, like, John Woo knew that this was his final Hong Kong, final in quotation marks, because he did, he did return, but this was his final Hong Kong movie at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it this way, too. He's not really even returning. You know, the Hong Kong that he left was a different Hong Kong that he came back to. Yeah, sure, with the handover, it's a completely different industry now, I guess. Yeah. Was it even Hong Kong, or was it just China that he came back to? Well, yeah, well, it's... Red, Red Cliff a... was China, right? Yeah, it's... Well, I don't know. I don't know if you... I think that that's... I don't know who even produced that one. Just don't say Taiwan is a country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to apologize. We've opened a geopolitical wasp's nest here now. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why'd you bring that up, man? No. That's going to get us some clicks. Yes. John Woo left Hollywood again. That's yes. what we can say for sure. Although now he's, he's, yes. he's back again, doing another comeback. Although, really, like his movie, his next movie is No Dialogue Christmas. I want to watch that. That looks interesting. Yeah. Sounds interesting. I think Joel Kinnaman might actually work if I don't have to hear him talk. <laughs> so. I have not heard anything about this movie. Uh, it's called Silent Night. I'm not sure when it's actually supposed to come out, but I think it's supposed to come out this year. Um, I don't know what the if it's been acquired or anything. There's no trailer or anything. Just just images. Yeah, I, but I understand it's it's wrapped shooting. Yeah, well, I think they. I thought they finished shooting like a year ago. Uh, it feels like the norm now. Like uh, just yesterday, I read and they someone finally picked up to distribute the. Crow reboot slash remake slash reimagining slash readaptation, whatever they call it these days. And that was like, that one finished over a year ago and this is nobody, nobody wanted to distribute it, which is always a good sign, you know, when <laughs> just shit is shelled for years. Well, that one's an interesting case too, because, uh, Skarsgård there is he's got another action movie coming out where he plays a I think he's a deaf guy deaf oh boy kills world yeah and that looks fun uh, it looks, yeah, that looks st great. stupid but um, I'm all about stupid and it features Famke Janssen so I'm in as well so he's already got a whole other action movie ready to go and the crow's also coming out but I'm guessing that the crow is going to be terrible. I mean, that's a that's a cursed project right there. Oh yeah. How many they've been trying to get that movie remade or for 15 years at least? Something used to be something. Mark Wahlberg oh. was attached to it or something. Yeah, and Jason Momoa <laughs> at one point. And, I mean, they I don't just... even know who 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 directed this version that's actually been made. I don't even know. Does anyone know? I'll look it up. No, no. I'm gonna edit. Put it in an edit here where I just it sounds like I knew that already. Oh. 
How how good that you knew that, uh, Rod, you're so smart. Let's see. Hold on, I haven't found it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rupert Sanders, the guy who did Ghost in the Shell and Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, I did I did enjoy Ghost in the Shell, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was uh, it's probably wh- some whitewashing bullshit and what all that stuff, but it's visually it was it looked cool and I mean, Beat Kitano was in there playing fucking albino cowboy that was some dope shit <laughs> I will have to watch it but I have not ever seen the, the film in which it's based the anime I, I'm going through anime I'm just, it's slow going for me but I I've only just started watching anime I'm 39 years old yeah well, I, I saw Ghost in the Shell in the cinema the yeah, the remake. Yeah, uh, the whole thing is that it's like they, they download. It is like it, the hero's an Asian woman, but her conscience is downloaded into Scarlett Johansson, and that's the thing. It was like, well, couldn't you just like cast an Asian woman? You had to cast a white woman and just give her the brain of an Asian woman. But then they there's the Kitanos in there. He's cool. I thought that that yeah that bit was added in later to sort of explain the whitewashing. That's the feeling that I got. Like originally it was just Scarlett Johansson, but then they got critiqued for the whitewashing, so they put in. Oh no no she's actually just Asian inside. Oh, I th- I thought that was from the from the anime, and that's the whole thing is that her her character is trying to find out who she is that's a whole other world for me I have no idea yeah maybe we should sit down and watch the movie before we talk about it instead of just (laughs) (laughs) guessing at what the plot is the only thing I remember hearing that I went that's upsetting to hear is that they tried to make her Asian with makeup at first and decided it didn't look right and I went okay well, that's a good decision. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's what you you're remembering is the they they made her they try to make her Asian and then they were like, no, no, no. This is this is even more racist. <laughs> they never watched. Originally, it was gonna be go full Mickey Rooney, <laughs> Breakfast of Tiffany's. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm good uh, without that. But you know. I don't think that movie would have gotten made if they didn't have somebody like Scarlett Johansson in there. Oh yeah, you definitely. know, I don't even know who yeah. Hollywood would hire that. Like, oh yeah, that's a name. No, that's Hollywood for you. What haven't we talked about yet uh, concerning Hard Boiled? Oh, the the boat shootout. Yeah, yeah. Short but sweet. Well, that's that's that section where I was just suddenly. I realized what it was, the vibes I was getting, the, the whole movie. I realized, oh, this is it's Miami Vice. That's what I'm thinking of. And it was when they were on the boat. Oh, because of the boat. Yeah. Yeah, same. I wrote it, wrote it down like uh, it's the, the Tony Young intro. It's very blue. Is it is it Michael Mann inspired or am I just suffering from real Miami Vice bias from watching Miami Vice daily basis at the moment? I still don't actually know. Because I also have just been watching that, 
so it's very hard to say. But I just kept thinking, oh, the boat, if there's an alligator on this boat and it's with a chain, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has an uh, origami alligator. Yeah. yeah. And he wants to he wants to sail off into Antarctica, as you do. I do remember that that was all, um, it was later. They, they decided, oh, we're going to let Tony Lung live. And he said that the production crew felt really bad about killing him off and he just went oh, all right even though the movie is is sort of building to the conclusion this kind of nihilistic conclusion that they all deserve to die yeah the karma you were talking about yeah yeah but it's fine and he lives but it does make that little joke work better that scene you brought up earlier where he Chime fats like uh you know that wasn't a cop you know in the, in the elevator and they're walking in the hallway and he's like hi oh, okay okay he's like was that a cop though and he goes yeah and he's like shit <laughs> <laughs> what a dick move yeah <laughs> yeah but like they could have ended this movie any way they liked for me because after that hospital scene i was sold well that's Anything it would have been fine yeah you know i also feel like is it does he really live it feels very very dreamy very wishy-washy all added Taxi driver added sequence there yeah oh. well i'm like is he really gonna sail to antarctica <laughs> but well, i don't know you say taxi driver i'm thinking more uh ticker director's cut <laughs> for those those who've seen that i don't think i've seen the for the true fans the, Director's oh, well, cut. At, at the end, director's cut as is more open ended, uh, and it's like it implies that maybe the bomb at the end exploded, and then the final scene is Seagal and Sizemore uh, in the afterlife, or maybe they succeeded and it's just them normally. As as well at least what he says on the commentary track. I love that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, those are that, that's just. Yeah. Like, I don't recommend watching it. It it uh, it removes all the stock footage. Really? Yeah. Okay, because that's what I my memories of that movie were going. Oh, that's from a different movie. That's from a different yeah. movie. All of the explosions are gone, which is kind of weird for a a movie about a mad bomber. But <laughs> yeah, God, can you can you imagine being stuck? In Eternal Afterlife with Steven Seagal and Tom Sizemore. <laughs> I can't imagine being in the same room with, with Tom Sizemore or Seagal. There's not enough room in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess the only other thing I'd, I'd uh, add is just that, you know, we brought up Anthony Wong. I, I, and I love Anthony Wong in the 90s or the early 90s and late 80s before Johnny Toe got a hold of him. Um, I, but, uh, what's your beef with Johnny Toe? I think that he just turned Anthony Wong into kind of one note. Johnny Toe's movies I like. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have, uh, two minds about pretty much every piece of media I ever watch. There's always part of me that's like, I don't like that. Or there's like, but at the same time, I'm like, but I love the movie in itself. Like, I, I Exile is, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. So, <laughs> I don't know. 
No, I think, I think Ex- Exile's the only only Johnny Toe Anthony Wong one I've seen. Maybe I think all my other Johnny Toe ones have been someone else. Well, I forget his what's his name. I always f- mix him up. Um, Ching Wan Lao. I always confuse Ching Wan Lao and Anthony Wong. <laughs> is is Anthony Wong in PTU? Uh, I got it. I don't know. <laughs> That's the answer to that. I, I don't have PTU up in PTU. Let me check for you. No, at least on three occasions, I've watched the Ching Wan Lao movie and thought, oh, Anthony Wong's great in this one, and it's it's not Anthony Wong. It's my it's my biggest ra- racism. Buzz <laughs> buzz heads and sunglasses. Did you? What did you think of uh, Tony Lung in this movie, though? He has to play. Slurred like an innocent-faced hitman slash undercover cop. I think it works. I think it's great. Him in the uh, the warehouse when he has to kill his boss, that entire sequence, everything he's doing with his expressions, I think he's... Yeah, I think he's... Uh, Fantastic. Like, he deserves all the awards. And then he just shoots down the other guys. It's... Yeah. Oh, it's just great. when he... And, and Wu is great enough to give us that slow-mo shot when as he walks past anthony wong and his ex- total expression totally changes his eyes are all watering i'm like that yeah, that's that's kino right there give it to me <laughs> yeah i mean he he is he's just one of the greatest actors of all time really there's a reason he's the one who went on to work with wong car Wai and was like got an honorary award at the Venice this week and why you know Chow Yun-Fat just did more movies where he shot a bunch of people yeah yeah there's one one of them is the actor actor but Chow Yun-Fat is is a is a star that's what he is he's not, oh yeah you know, there's, there's two different kinds of actors and yeah way different thing no shade on Chow Yun-Fat I love no. I love that man he's got charisma out the Wazoo. Yeah. I also really, really liked uh, Tony Lung in the scene where he uh, pretends kills, uh, what's his name, Foxy? Fox? Oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, I think it depends a lot on which version you watch, what that character is called. I think it's called Little Co in the version I have. Yeah. My version, he was called Fox or something. Or yeah, the, the Fox. He's, Foxy. Uh... Well, I think Co. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that means Fox or something, and somebody just went with it. But who knows? Um, but yeah, we know the informant. Played by the director of Magic Cop and Jet Lee's The Hitman, if you're interested. Oh, I did didn't know that. Did not know that. But that's a great scene with the, the lighter that he got from the police chief. He puts it in his pocket and he shoots him in the lighter. <laughs> Which apparently stops bullets. Well, I think he knew what it was made out of. He knew what kind of gun he had. It's like, eh, I, I, yeah. I, there is a logic to these this movie, even if you're like, yeah, definitely, definitely. You're like, it doesn't really make sense, but I guess <laughs> it's both yeah. both really impressive uh, lighter craftsmanships and really impressive marksmanship to hit spot on on the lighter. Yes. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, the, that scene where he's just getting the, the tar kicked out of him. That poor guy. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's... Yeah, but Lung plays plays that fantastically as well. 
the way he, the way he beats up the guy. Yeah, that's true. Just overdone anger and just overdone punches and kicks. Yeah, because he's acting for the other guys. It's uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I didn't, but that's blow my mind that that's the director of Magic Cop. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that any good? Uh, it, yeah, it's fun. It's it's, it's a little more uh, Jing Wong kind of style movie but you'll have fun with it if you watch it. i think you just go in knowing you got billy chow in there so can't go wrong uh the there's a gal in there that in the 80s in early 90s she was kind of known for her body she was like kind of ripped all the time oh yeah the, in the in the line of duty three lady yeah yeah, yeah that's the one and i cannot remember her name uh, i think she's japanese yeah she's hot i mean japanese yeah. <laughs> is it Mishiko Nishiwaki? Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, that's. I think yes. that's, yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, Mishiko. She was also in uh, Charlie's Angels, apparently. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I cannot remember. I know that she's in. City cops as well, but I don't, I don't, I don't know what she... she's in. One of the Lucky Star movies. Yeah, my Lucky Stars. I don't even remember her being in Charlie's Angels. Oh, I think I know who she is now. And everything, everywhere, all at once. Apparently. What? Uh, yeah. Well, gotta watch that again. I don't even remember her being in that. It's probably. Like backgrounds, or I would hope not. One of the stunt stunt people, or something. Oh, I guess that makes sense if she's stunts. I mostly I remember best from In the Line of Duty three, where she's yeah. like the the main bad guy, and she's also like naked half of the time. Yep. That's the one with the the chainsaw fights, right? No, that's Tiger on the Beat. No, he's thinking of um, uh, Royal Warriors, which is also known as In the Line of Duty uh, one. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, she is the other half of the the duo bad guys in in the line of duty three, and she's fantastic in it. Yeah, that's the one with the uh, ambulance chase and uh, it's a shipyard fight. Is yes, one of the bad guys the just fucking falls out of the ambulance. Yep, and gets run over. Oh, uh, it's, it's so brutal. It's a it's a gnarly movie. That is. The <laughs> Japanese cop. With the f- hair, yeah, yeah, great hair. Uh, Hiroshi Fujioka, I think. Yeah, it's a it's very underrated. People always talk about, in, well, in the line of duty one and two or Royal Warriors and yes, madam. What? Yes, madam. That's what I was gonna call. She shoots straight, but that's that's the uh, that's not connected. No. Yeah, yes, madam, and then in the line of duty four. Those are the one people always talk about. Those three. And those are the three, because in the line of duty three, this was the, the new Blu-ray release was like the first, first time that was on proper disc in the West. I think. Yeah, it's, and it's gorgeous. But the other three have always, always been available. Yeah, and and then for some reason, in the line of duty one came out after in the line of duty two, which makes no sense. That whole thing, I I should just do a video on it. The, what they did with that series you have right i have you you did i think you did a video on yes madam well yeah yeah you know, i mean uh so it's not a true series 
is the is the gist. Well, no, but because yeah. th- three, four, five isn't uh, Cynthia Khan plays the same character? Yeah. Well, she also sort she of. also uh, plays the same character th- uh, in what is actually like the true, more or less sequel to four, which is uh, has a whole different name. What the heck is the name? Four is four is with Den- Donnie Yen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a different sequel to In the Line of Duty 4 than In the Line of Duty yeah, 5. Yeah, it's uh, Tiger Cage 2. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Tiger Cage 2 is the sequel to In the Line of Duty? In, in the Line of Duty 4. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, Johnny Yen's in it and everything. Ah, oh, Jesus. That's... Gets more is Tiger Cage 1 also connected? No. That also has Johnny Yen, but they're completely different movies. Because uh, Hong Kong... We'll just do anything to get extra tickets. So they'll just call their movies whatever they want. So the Tiger Cage series is not really a series. Oh, like Django. Every, just call everything Django and people will go watch it. Yeah. It's just like in the line of duty. They went back and called two completely different movies. One and two. And two in exactly the wrong order as well. And we're like, no, it's a whole series now. And then they would abandon that called the because Tiger Cage one day I guess did money. Whatever. <laughs> it's just too confusing, and that's not to even, you know, you get into there's other movies called Yes Madam, and they're not connected to Yes Madam. <laughs> so there's a movie called Yes Madam: A Serious Shock, which is a, a Yukari Oshima movie film, and then, you know that's not even talking about. There's uh, what is it, uh, Princess Madam and Madam City Hunter, and you know all these movies that are, <laughs> have Madam in the title just to mess with, get get those extra tickets. Yeah, well, I I saw yesterday was Lady Reporter was also advertised as Above the Law two or Writing Wrongs two. Yeah, yeah, it is. What they've done with their titles, it's, it's gotten out of hand, or went out of hand. I guess they're not, they don't really do that anymore, but they used to, and it was crazy as hell. Because you get the that foreign market, and you get the people that aren't really paying attention. You know, it's the asylum trick. It's a good thing that those movies have blended together in my memory. <laughs> yes, this, I'm sure this conversation has helped. <laughs> yeah. So... About hard boiled. Oh right, right, hard boiled. We were talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like ages ago. I had to pause it about halfway because I had to go to the bathroom, and it's, it struck me that halfway through the movie they're already in the hospital. Yeah, this struck me too because I had to watch it across two days because I I watched started yesterday and I had to go to work, and then I paused it and I was like, oh shit, we're it's an hour in and they're at the hospital and there's an hour left which is also back to the editing makes it just like it it moves if like i was i was I, I thought i was like i don't know 40 minutes in and it was like almost an hour 20 oh yeah well so it it's a two-hour movie but man does it fly but uh, it's a uh, it's it does not follow a, a traditional three-act structure in any uh, coherent way at all no well i was the flow of it was a bit, maybe because I was trying to connect dots in the first hour or something, but then 
like an hour in, hour left in the movie, you go into the hospital and it starts to come together and there's amazing action and I was able to forgive it everything. Well, it's a little bit more like, like if you watch the first hour of the movie, it's like watching a TV show that had, that, uh, and every episode has a great little action scene in it. And then there's like a f- finale, a season finale, which is the entire hospital sequence where everything just keeps ramping up. I love when they're, you know, they get our guys in there, they get the informant in there, and then the other cops are in there, they like sneak in, and then it's just escalating tension. Oh, and now we're, you know, get the fire alarm going. Patients are trying to get out. Oh, but there's babies as well. There's somebody being operated on. Um, and then now, that oh, crap, they just found out that there's cops amongst the patients and doctors. And, you know, it just keeps going. Oh, now we got to, there's, there's a fire in the hallway. So we can't, you got to lower the babies out this window. Yeah, they're planning C4. And... Yeah, now the guys are getting shot as they're trying to lower the babies like the the tension just rises and rises and rises this is a, a wild movie <laughs> that, that last half is is a ride man oh yeah definitely i li- like the part where they actually yeah. when they they blast their way out of the morgue right yeah <laughs> and then they put on silencers <laughs> and and go through this whole section of the hospital shooting each other means sneaking and shooting out cameras and then they forget about that after that it's just so funny <laughs> to me <laughs> yeah there's also a, a, a part with the when with the babies at the end where Teresa's like shh you'll wake them up and it's like yeah they're firing bazookas out of the hallways lady <laughs> there you're not they, how what what are you Chaoyun fat racing his voice is gonna wake them up yeah, that ship sailed a long time ago <laughs> Oh God! It, yeah, but like I said, there's, there's like when you're watching it in the process of watching it, there's a logic to it. But as soon as you step back and look at the macro, you're just going, "What in the world? This means nothing." <laughs> yeah, definitely, and that that's fine. It's, but it's great, even. Well, yeah, it's a weird movie. It gets by on its, uh, you know, just incredible action scenes. I don't know if there's any movie that. I really doubt this. There's a reason this is always like up at the top of the list. There's really nothing that compares. Unparalleled. Yeah. Uh, I watched. A, I've watched a ton of Hong Kong films that have more action in them, but they're not as. It's just not as well done. Like you know, it goes back to that editing and the just the way he films motion that you know when he decides to use slow motion which is often that's that's the other thing that people always get wrong about john woo they 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 always just do it wrong i, I don't even know how how he does it but it's it there's a dreamlike quality to those scenes but there's also but he somehow gives them weight and impact at the same time. Yeah, I think a great example of that is, uh, well, not from this movie, but from, from Hard Target, when, like, the first scene where, uh, where Jean-Claude Van Damme gets to be badass with the... Oh, yeah. With the guys on the sidewalk, when he steps up, and it just I, and it starts slowing down, and uh, just the, the, he does the kick, kind of like you, you, you get the kick in slow motion, and then he repeats it from another angle, and everything just flows, and 
Shaw Club and them just look so fucking cool because of the mullet as well. Well, that, it is, that's good because that, that's like uh, what what Jackie Chan action here, yeah, and uh, just done to to the greasy extreme. Just like it's just another element that you know, keeps motion in the image during the action, and that's John Woo's all about. It's just yeah, how many elements can I keep moving in different directions? Look at uh, Philip Quack during the. The warehouse scene. Look at his hair. I mean, it's basically Jackie Chan hair, yeah. and it's doing the same thing. It's 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 just creating that extra motion. His head's turning one way, and his body's turning another. Yeah, and you see uh, during the warehouse scene in this, there's like uh, I think I forget. I think it's when it's when Philip Quack is shooting some guys, and he's he's shooting them, and then he's shooting glass. There's glass behind them, but when he shoots the glass. The glass instead of the glass comes back towards him, which doesn't make any sense because you know, he's shooting through it. But so the guys are going backwards, and then the glass is coming back towards him. So everything just moves perpendicular. It just looks fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even noticed. That that's just like another scene where that's the end of any other movie, you know, where because <laughs> the action is so crazy and. And it's just such a big scene that it feels like the finale to some other movie. Because it's so big. There's so much going on. Everything explodes. I guess, actually, the tea house is kind of like that, too, in Pretty a way. Pretty much even the boat scene, you could say, even though it's small. Yeah. What's great about the, the boat scene, again, you know, it is that Miami Vice where it is very much... that That's that Pat and John Woo, two characters... Uh, coming together you just they, somehow they're 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 kind of working in sync even though they've you know they've only really just met at that point honestly but they're you know one's above deck one's below deck and, and that and they kind of switch places it's uh there's a brotherhood like yeah immediate understanding yeah yeah it's like it, it's that you know they, you know, they were meant to be in a way. It's like it's. I remember the, there was an interview where Chai and Fat says uh, uh, people ask me all the time, uh, John Woo, and, and you is this is this is this a gay thing? And he has to say he's like no, he he just understands like the male bonding. Yeah, and it works so well for this one as well because you, if you had to have, have many many scenes where they bond and it just wouldn't work yeah it's great it's just one scene they meet up and you know it's done they're brothers yeah um well there's there's one more shot that i want to talk about that i really loved that's um okay when he shoots anthony wong in the eye there's a shot of a of a yes a dummy head with blood squirting out of the eye socket yeah oh my god it's, it's just it's not even a second but it's amazing. It's like almost like an, a Jallo thing, and the Jallos had obsessions with eyes, eye gouging and whatnot. And oh my god, I just loved it. It's so it's almost a horror shot, and it just they put it right there in an action movie. It's great. Well, it's it's almost like a you know we brought Evil Dead earlier. It's almost like that too. Yeah. The thing that I love about that sequence is actually that he shoots him in the eye right yeah and then he starts toppling forward dead 
and Chai and Pat shoots him again. <laughs> and he goes backwards. I just like, the only thing that would make that better is if he would have done like a backflip. Well, because that's, that's like John Chow Yun Fat's kill. The last second, the last kill he does is what he shoots the guy and he like, the guy pirouettes backwards and then falls through a desk. Yeah. They should have combined them. Just had Anthony Wong just pirouette out of the parking lot. <laughs> All the way. Just just 20 meters out of just pirouetting away. <laughs> you know, but it's uh, the end of uh, Mission Impossible 2. It always bothers me when he shoots that guy and it's just edited up to oh, yeah. keep that PG-13. Great movie, though, as well. Yeah. 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 You've come to the Mission Impossible 2 Stan podcast. <laughs> That's next time. <laughs> Anytime for me. Yeah. So, was there anything else about Hard Boiled that you wanted to bring up? Uh, no. Uh, I, th- oh, I think. Um, just let me look over my notes. No, just a lot of stuff. Notes about Miami Vice. <laughs> uh,. And just, yeah, uh, police captain Philip Chan, real-life police inspector, who then just went on to play himself, like, just played a cop in a bunch of movies. Like, uh, yeah, he's always always fun when he turns up, and he, he's in the two greatest action movies ever made, Hard Boiled and Bloodsport, so good on him. <laughs> Congrats, yeah. Yeah, he was, he's, he's, he was a real-life cop who then just, well, I guess he did a Dennis, Dennis Farina yeah. thing, who just... He was a cop, and then he went on and did Crime Story. That was what it was called. Yeah, go doing show some, yeah, some movies. Just played played himself, hmm. and then just kept on doing that instead. So, so that implies that the, the cop stuff is close to real in this one. I don't know. I don't know if this is his first his first cop role. Like maybe this is his sellout face when he was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, whatever. Make the cops do anything. Just pay me." Yeah. But this is a great movie to sell out. Um, yeah, well, I think that at some point we'll have to revisit Hard Boiled again. Definitely. What, uh, which uh, which version do you own? Uh, yeah, all of them. All of them, okay. So <laughs> There's multiple versions? Yeah. Well, no, but they're like, which release? Because it's like, uh, there's... Um, well, you know, what can I say? Like, there's uh, there was a uh, old Dragon Dynasty Blu-ray, oh. which is, I guess, maybe still in print for all I know, but it's a bit uh, got a touch of the Weinstein on it, and uh, then there was the Hong Kong Rescue bootleg, but it seems that that guy finally realized he wasn't able to deliver and just vanished off the face of the earth. And then just, I guess, at old Criterion DVD, many, like, uh, options. I think I own uh, just the old old Norwegian DVD, Scanbox, nothing, just subtitles is the special features. And then I have the Dragon Dynasty Blu-ray, and I have the Hong Kong Rescue bootleg. Okay. Yeah. They're all the same, exact same movie, right? Uh, there's, a, there's, like, a... Uh, what is considered an uncut version and there are some yeah the the bootleg comes with uh the Taiwanese yeah. cut uh, as a special feature but uh, i mean it's a it's a 
Yeah, I think it there's a there's an extended cut on the bootleg. Yeah. Uh, but I I haven't watched it. I don't really don't really know. It's also it's it's not in a great condition. Like there's the 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 whatever version you watch is the version the version that looks good. Yeah. yeah I, I I watched the Hong Kong Legends DVD release. I don't think there's a Hong Kong Legends DVD release of Hard Boiled. Yeah, it's in their Chow Jun Fat uh, free movie box. I don't have that one. I think. I only have I have the John Woo box set with Once a Thief, Bullet in the Head, and uh, the Killer. I didn't know they did hard boiled. I I have Chow Jun Fat box set with hard boiled, uh, Bullet in the Head, and the Killer. I think. No, Chow Yun Fat's not in Bullet in the Head. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta send me a picture of that. I, yeah, I, I might be wrong, ex- but. I, I don't believe true. it exists. I don't believe you watched this. I think you made it up. Okay. You got to show this to me. I, I'll give you. I, I had no idea they did that, and I, I, I've spent a lot of time looking up old Hong Kong Legends DVDs on eBay. Okay. If if you're listening and you have any you want to get rid of, uh, DM me. Maybe this is just a, a Netherlands only release or something. Oh, they did that. They they did. Yeah, that's there? possible actually. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm learning more and more. Only Dutch subs, though, so it would probably be useless for you. That would be that would be. Uh, uh, I'm gonna learn Dutch. <laughs> Get ready to learn Dutch, son. <laughs> okay. I, the only thing I'll say about the, I actually enjoy my my Hong Kong rescue version, um, with the exception of, for a good deal of the movie, uh, he's changed the color palette, and to he threw on an orange tint and I including in the warehouse um, sequence I I'm just not a fan of what he did there yeah the the, the killer release was like DNR to shit way too smooth yeah. at least this one well, has, has uh, all the know, grain I in still, there still even even with what they what he did to the killer I still prefer it to you know, all the interlaced garbage going on in the official releases. Yeah, I said I don't I don't sadly I don't have that one. That's one I ordered and uh I'm one of the guys that he never delivered oh, no. to before he just folded. Yeah. Well you ha- also on the on the Hong Kong uh, rescue Blu ray, like on the bonus disc, all of the all of it's just like shit that's ripped from youtube there's like uh oh yeah including us yeah there's a kill count from our website it's by i don't know i don't remember who did that one that's on there so like it scared me honestly i i was going through the the thing and i clicked on i scrolled down i'm like oh kill count that's fun and the first thing i see is all out of bubble going what yeah, and it is because uh, this is like a like a video essay by the Rossatron. Used to be on, be a good good action movie channel on YouTube, but I think he he packed it up and like like went into like trying to make movies. Was well, doing documentaries to the in search of the last action hero. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've I've actually talked to the guy before. He's he's a nice guy. Yeah, I so say also he also wrote a Bruce Willis DTV movie. Oh, he made it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He made it. I Top of the either. world. Um, so, yeah, that pretty, that's pretty much 
pretty much it. Um, I think we can all agree that next time we do a top 250 greatest action movies, Hard Boiled will be up there. Yeah, like maybe go through the list, see some uh, blind spots, see some what the fuck were yeah. we thinking? Uh, how did this make it here? Uh, what's changed? Um, Obviously, what the list is 10 years old. Yeah. So a lot of stuff, uh, newer stuff will be missing. It's, it's nine years old right now. Uh, it was posted in January 2015. All right. So right next, year, next year, we're going to start a 10 years later thing and post a new list January 2025. It'll be interesting. Yeah. So much. I, I remember last time John Wick was just released, the first one, and it missed missed out on making the list by one vote because we had a minimum vote requirement. And yeah, now you have four John Wick movies and whatnot, and it's going to be different. It's going to be... I'm, uh, I'm curious, definitely. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, guys. Um... I think uh, probably wrap it up. Yeah, I I really and, enjoyed uh, this. Yeah, right on. Uh, thanks for coming on, and I guess we'll just see you next time. Yeah, thanks for uh, hosting. No problem. Okay. Well, we'll try to not make it uh, twelve years until the next episode. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>